welcome to Bethlehem Covenant Church's sermon podcast. We pray that you will be blessed as you listen to this message. All right, if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to the Gospel of John, which we are going through together here this fall season, and uh, we're going to look at the second half of chapter 1. And so it's John 1, beginning verse 19, and going to the end of the chapter there, verse 51, it says this, Now this was John the Baptist's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely that I'm not the Messiah. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I'm not. Are you a prophet? He said, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And to this, John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am a voice of one calling in the wilderness to make straight the way for the Lord. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Messiah or Elijah nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one who you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. The very next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him. And he said, look, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one that I meant when I said, a man comes after me who surpasses me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to all of Israel. Then John gave this testimony. He said, I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me that the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain upon is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and testify that this is God's chosen one. The very next day, John was there again with two of his disciples when he saw Jesus passing by and he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed him. Turning around, uh, Jesus saw them following and said, what is it that you would like? And they said, Rabbi, where are you staying? Come, Jesus replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they, they spent the day with Jesus. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who had heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing that Andrew did was go find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee, and finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, just like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip went out and found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth and the son of Joseph. Nazareth, Nathanael asked, can anything good come from there? Well, come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there's no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still underneath the fig tree before Philip even called you. 
Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You're the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree, but you'll see even greater things than this. He then added, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. So we began our fall sermon series last week going through the gospel of John together this fall. And, and it's a wonderful book of the Bible that tells us the story of Jesus, who he was and what he came to do and what it means to truly follow him in our lives. The writer John was um, the youngest of all of the disciples. He writes his gospels that we might know the truth and be saved. Well, last week we read the first half of of John chapter 1, where it said, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was there with God in the beginning, and through Him all things have been made. This incredible truth right from the very first verses of this gospel, that Jesus is not like you and me, just a man or a woman. He is, he is the one and only Son of God. He always was. He is one with the Father, and He came down to earth. In John 1.14, it says that the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John is saying it right from the beginning of his gospel, this is who Jesus is. He's the one and only Son of God. And in verse 18, he said, no one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. In Jesus, we come to know God. Every week that we go through this gospel uh, together, we want to learn more of these things of the truth of who God is revealed to us in Christ and what he taught and did and, and what he, you know, asks of us. And we want to ask the question every week as we go through this gospel, what does it mean to live out our faith in him right where we are? What does God want to do in our lives in our neighborhoods and families and schools and workplaces and situations. Because back then, just as John said, he came to dwell among them. He dwelt among them in the flesh. Well, today it is by his spirit, but it is the same. And so how do we live out our faith right where we are? Well, this morning we go on now to the second half of chapter 1. And this is very important and it is super duper special. This scripture today is all about the first people who believed in him and followed Jesus, the very first ones. And, you know, if there are a lot of people doing something, it's kind of easy to just join in, you know, because everybody else is doing it. If it's something that everybody believes, it's kind of easier to believe it, you know, it's just easier to follow the crowd. But to be the first one, to stand up or to step out and to say, I will, when no one else is, man, that can be a really tough thing. To be a first believer in your family or friend group, to say you're a Christian in a setting where most of the people around you aren't, to say that you believe in Jesus or that you want to follow Jesus and not just go along with the crowd or the culture that's around you, that can be a hard thing to do and, at first. Well, 
Well, the guys that we read about this morning in this chapter, they were the first followers of Jesus. The first ones who saw him. And if you remember from last week, I talked about how when Jesus Christ came, most of the world did not believe in him and did not uh, receive him or see him for who he truly was. It says in verse 10 to 12, he was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognize him. He came to that which was his own, the Jews, but his own did not receive him. And then it said, yet to all who did receive him, to all who believed in his name, he gives the right to become children of God. And so then immediately from there, we get to the second half of chapter one, where it talks about those who did receive him those who did believe in his name, those first followers. And in our scripture for today, it mentions seven of them. And I want to take a closer look at their stories and how they came to believe in Jesus. The first person that we read about here that believed him and knew him was John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist, we learn from him in all four of the Gospels. The Gospel of Luke tells us how his dad, Zechariah, was a priest, and his mom, Elizabeth, was a cousin to Mary, the mother of Jesus. And, and one day when Zechariah was in the temple praying, God spoke to him and told him that he and his wife, Elizabeth, were going to have a baby and that they were to name that child John. And that he was going to have the Holy Spirit from birth. And just like the prophet Elijah, he would bring people back to God. John was born with a purpose, a call from God. From birth, God set John apart. He would prepare people to meet Jesus. Now, when God first told this to his dad, Zechariah, that he was going to have a son, Zechariah didn't believe God at first because it sounded impossible. You know, Zechariah was old. His wife was old, well beyond childbearing years. That ship had kind of sailed. How were they going to have a baby? Well, nothing is impossible with God. And sure enough, Elizabeth got pregnant. She did have a baby, and they named him John, just as God had told them to do. And John grew up, and he eventually went to live out in the wilderness, just outside of Jerusalem, where he began his ministry near the Jordan River. And John would preach that... Just like the Old Testament prophets, John preached a strong message of how the people needed to repent of their sins and come back to God, that the time of the Lord was near, and then he would baptize them in the Jordan River. And John, you could say, was a bit different. He didn't fit other religious people of that day. In the Gospel of Matthew, it tells us he wore clothes made of camel's hair, not the traditional fancy robes of the religious leaders and Pharisees. He wore a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. He didn't partake of the luxuries of this world. But as different as he was, he spoke the word of God. And people went out to see him from all over Jerusalem and Judea. They found themselves confessing their sins and being baptized in the Jordan River. I mean, as eccentric as John was, God's spirit was upon him and people came. Even religious leaders and Pharisees went out to hear him speak. And John wouldn't flatter them. He would tell them the truth, that they too needed to repent and be baptized. And they were offended by this as being told they were sinners. They were the religious elite, you know. But John was speaking truth. 
I learned this week that baptism didn't begin with John the Baptist. Um, in the Old Testament, religious leaders did baptize people. They would baptize Gentiles who wanted to convert and become Jews. Baptism was kind of the initiation into a brand new life. And what is unique to John the Baptist, though, and why he's called the Baptist, is that he baptized everyone. He baptized Jewish people. They thought, Jewish people thought that they were already saved because Abraham was their father. But John preached that, no, they too needed to be forgiven and begin a new life and that the Lord was going to come and bring to them. Well, John the Baptist is the first one here that we read about who is mentioned as seeing and believing in Jesus. And if we read carefully, we see that the reason he knew that Jesus was the Son of God and the Messiah was because God himself told him this. No one else did. Look at what it says in verse 33, that John the Baptist said, I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water, God, told me that the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain on is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And then John the Baptist says, I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. This verse tells us that at some point in, in John's life, God spoke to him and told him that you're going to baptize people and you'll know which one is the Lord when you see the Holy Spirit come down upon that man. And sure enough, we read in Matthew 3 that when Jesus came to be baptized by John, that when Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens opened and the Spirit descended upon him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love with whom I'm well pleased. And so this is how John knew that Jesus was the one. God himself showed him and spoke to him. And that's why we read here that John then sees Jesus coming another time and he says to the crowd, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, this is the one, this is the one that I spoke about who would come after me, who surpasses me because he was before me. How did John know this? Because God himself told him and gave him a sign, the Holy Spirit. And so John came to see the truth of Jesus and believe in him. And as I thought about this, I thought, you know, this is still true today. Some people come to believe in Jesus simply because God tells them, you know, miraculously or in a dream or a vision, he just speaks to them and shows them, gives them a sign, or, and they can't deny it. In the Bible, we see this happen with other people that God just tells, like Abraham. He just, God just appeared to Abraham, you know, or Moses at the burning bush or Isaiah during a time of prayer or Paul on the road to Damascus. They're all like this. They come to know the truth of God because God just speaks to them in a vision or burning bush or bright light. Just like for Paul, he, he wouldn't listen to the apostles. He didn't believe in Jesus, but then God just told him. God spoke directly to Paul on the road to Damascus. It was a bright light. He fell off his horse, and a voice from heaven said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And Paul said, who are you? And he said, I'm Jesus whom you persecute. 
And then God blinded him and had a Christian by the name of Ananias open his eyes. Just like John the Baptist, he spoke to him and gave him a sign. And sometimes in the Bible we see that, that it is just God sometimes who speaks directly to a person and makes it clear. But now I want us to see what happens next from that. From God speaking to that one person, John, he's going to now, John's now going to pass it on and many others are going to see because of him. For look what it says in verse 35, that the next day John was there again and two of his disciples were there. And when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. And when the two disciples heard him say this, they went off to follow Jesus. So these two disciples, they didn't hear directly from God, but they heard from John, their teacher. God used John to tell them who Jesus was. And we know from verse 40 that one of those two disciples was Andrew. And we know from the other gospels, Matthew and Luke and, and that, that the, uh, the other one was John, the author of the book we're studying that 16-year-old young man. So these two men were Andrew and John. And, and they're going to become the first disciples of Jesus following him. And we're learning here that both of them had been disciples of John the Baptist before they were disciples of Jesus. I mean, think about that. These were young men, probably friends of each other, both interested in God, hanging out with this crazy guy by the Jordan River named John the Baptist because they wanted to know more about God and were waiting for the Messiah themselves. And so what we see in this scripture is that whereas God directly spoke to John the Baptist to help him know who Jesus was, now it is John the Baptist who then passes that truth on to two more. John had to say it. He had to declare out loud that Jesus was the Lamb of God. And when he spoke that truth out loud, two other people heard it and believed. Now, the Lamb of God is important, the term he uses, because lambs were used in the Bible as sacrifices on Passover and a couple other times in worship. And the Passover lambs, they couldn't take away sin. But what John teaches Andrew and John here is that the Lamb of God, Jesus, would be able to take away sin. John is saying that the Messiah would be able to cleanse us of all our sin and that that Lamb was Jesus. And on that cross, we would come to see that truth. But John the Baptist was the first one to tell others that this is Jesus, the Lamb of God. And upon hearing those words, Andrew and John believed their teacher and start following the Lord. And I think this is an important thing for us to see, that what God shows us, what he teaches and convinces us, we must now speak out so that others might know. And, you know, I don't know exactly who else was kind of around John when he said, look, the Lamb of God. Uh, maybe there were dozens of other people that were around him that day, but we know that two of them really heard it and believe, and they immediately go to follow Jesus. And I have seen this in my own life. You know, people come to faith because of other people, because someone in their life says, look, this is Jesus. 
This is what he has done for me. This is what he can do for you. This is what the Bible says about him. And maybe they're speaking to their friends or their neighbors or their family. And maybe many of those friends, neighbors, and family and coworkers ignore them. But maybe one or two listen and go off to follow Jesus. You know, it was my parents, you know, a big part in my life coming to Christ. With conviction, they would speak to us about Jesus, and they raised me in God's word in the church, and, and, and they believed in him, and I could tell that. My pastor and youth pastor, my grandma, other people who believed in the Lord and spoke about him to me, they didn't let me wander without direction and just kind of get a clue. No, they spoke with conviction. That's Jesus. He's the Lamb of God. He's the one, Dan who can take away your sins. He's the one who is the son of God. They spoke it like John the Baptist did. And I myself chose to go off and follow the Lord myself. I love that when Andrew and John leave John the Baptist and go to Jesus, John the Baptist is not troubled and upset by this. His congregation just got smaller for sure, but he's happy. It's what he wants. He wants people to follow Jesus and not him. I also love that when Andrew and John go to where Jesus is and they ask him, like, where are you staying? Jesus simply says, come and see. And that's really an invitation to follow him and to learn from him and to come to know him. And verse 39 says, they spent the day with Jesus. And by the end of it, they believe for themselves. You know, people can tell us about the Lord. But the next step is so crucial, you know, to go spend time with Jesus for ourselves, to get to know him in his word and to talk to him in prayer. He'll reveal himself to you personally that you might know now, not just on the testimony of others, but also because you just know Jesus has come and saved. But now I want you to see what continues to happen because this is how God works. Um, it spreads further. Who comes to believe in Jesus next? It's a ripple effect, you see. For both Andrew and John now are convinced, first by John the Baptist's words, then by spending some time with Jesus. And what do they do next? They run home, and they both tell their brothers. I love that. Andrew tells Simon, whom Jesus will change his name to Peter, and then John tells James. Both of these young men do what John the Baptist had done for them. They pass it on. They go home and they tell their family. And I love this. Andrew doesn't just tell Simon about Jesus, but he says, we found the Messiah. And then he brings his brother to Jesus. He goes with him to church, you could say, to youth group. And I love that. What started is God speaking directly to one, John the Baptist. John then passes on what he learns, you know, and teaches it to Andrew and John who then point and points them to Jesus. Now Andrew and John go home after meeting the Lord and tell it to their brothers, Simon and James, and it spreads like this. And Andrew is such a cool character in the Bible. He's always bringing people to meet Jesus. He brings Simon Peter, as we see here, his brother, but it's also Andrew who brings that little boy with the two fish and five loaves to Jesus, you know, uh, to feed the 5,000. It's Andrew in John chapter 12 who brings some foreigners, some Greeks that he met who are asking questions. He brings them to come meet Jesus. Andrew's always bringing people to the Lord, just like here. And so Simon and James come to Jesus 
because of their brothers. And it doesn't tell the story in, in our scripture for today, but in the Gospel of Luke, we read that Simon, Andrew's brother, was a fisherman. And so when Andrew takes him to hear Jesus speak, Jesus preaches actually from Simon's boat to a crowd that's on the shore. And after the sermon, he looks over at Simon, who he's just meeting, and he asks him, how's fishing going? And it, it hadn't been going well. And so Jesus says, well, I want you to row out one more time for a catch. And Simon is tired, and he doesn't believe any fish are out there biting today. But Jesus says, just trust me. Go out one more time. And so Simon obeys, and all of a sudden, all these fish jump into his nets, and the boat starts to sink. And Simon sees the miracle, and he comes to believe in Jesus. But what I want us to see is that he never would have been there that day if it wasn't for his brother, Andrew. And it's on that boat when Jesus tells him, you're Simon, son of John, but you will be called Peter. And this is so awesome because Peter means rock, strong, faithful, dependable leader. Jesus is looking at Simon and Simon looking at Jesus for the very first time. And Jesus is already telling him who he's going to become. You're going to be Peter. I see your future. You're going to be my leader. You're going to be a fisher of men. Many people are going to come to believe in me through you. And I don't know about you, but I can say this for me, that the Lord has done so many miracles in my life. And I can think back to, to one of them when I was young and just like this. I felt like I could not only just see the truth of Jesus, but I felt like he was showing me of who I would be and what I would do for him. I wasn't it yet. I was just a kid. But often when the Lord reveals himself to us, he also calls us. And those times can be connected. And like Simon, this is how he comes to know Jesus. A family member brings him to you know, to Jesus, so in, in our case, you know, maybe a family member brings us to church or invites us to youth group or camp and, and gets them in a Bible study or whatever. They begin to see God at work in their own life, just like Jesus filled the nets for Peter or Simon there. And then what happens is we come to believe in him, and then he begins to reveal his plans uh, to us of where he's going to take us. And I, I can't tell you how many people have a calling connected to their conversion. And so what's so powerful here about the story of Peter and Andrew, I think, is that Simon Peter is going to be the leader and lead many people to belief in Jesus. But it all begins with his brother, Andrew, leading Peter to the Lord. And if it wasn't for Andrew bringing his brother to Jesus, there'd be no Peter. It's like the guy who brought Billy Graham to the Lord. We don't know his name, but we know Billy Graham. <laughs> He's led millions, but it began with the one, you know. For my, my grandmother, you know, it was eight ladies from a very small church in her small town that first told her about Jesus. She didn't learn it at home or from a friend, but eight ladies who became her friends 
and uh, told her about Christ, and she accepted him, and then she grew and led her sister and her parents to the Lord and went on and became a Bible teacher and impacted many people for him. And that little church in East Moline, I don't know, you know, if it's still around or not, or if those eight ladies who took my young grandma in and, and showed her love and told her about Jesus, I don't know if that little church realizes the ripple effect of what happened when they told my grandma and how grandma went on and told her whole family and so many others in that Bible study. The word spreads like this. The final two first followers that we read here um, are Philip and Nathaniel. And Philip was from the same town as Peter and Andrew, and it seems Jesus just kind of walks up to him at the right time in his life and says, follow me, and Philip just goes. But Jen, just like the others, Philip then goes out and finds Nathaniel, his friend, and tells him, we found the one Moses that prophets wrote about. It's Jesus from Nazareth. And at first, Nathaniel doubts Philip because Nazareth was not a place that you would think that the Messiah would come from. It had a bad reputation. Nothing good ever came out of Nazareth. Well, Nathaniel here, he, he kind of represents many people who have to get over themselves to come to believe in Jesus. You know, Nazareth, you know, get over our own understandings of what God is like or the judgments that we might have. And, and so we... We all got our issues that stand in the way of believing. But what I love about Philip here, and this is really cool, is that Philip, when Nathaniel says that, he doesn't try to convince his friend or argue with his friend. But when Nathaniel says, can anything good come from Nazareth, Philip simply says these words, well, come and see. Just like Jesus said, come and see to Andrew and John. I don't think we can argue anybody into faith. I think Philip does the best thing here. He just invites Nathaniel to come spend time with Jesus and find out for himself. Philip lets Jesus do all the convincing work. And it doesn't take long, for as soon as Jesus sees Nathaniel coming, he sees, it, it says that uh, Jesus says out to him, here truly is an honest Israelite. And for whatever reason, that hit Nathaniel. And when Jesus then says to him, I saw you under the tree, that spoke to Nathaniel. The Lord was making himself known to Nathaniel and removing all of the hangups, letting him know that he truly knew him. And again, we can learn from this. When somebody comes with these questions about the Lord and we're trying to share with them and everything and we don't have to argue them. We just have to invite them and then maybe go with them to the word or to know the truth as Jesus will reveal himself to them. I don't know how many times I have preached sermons or tried to make convincing arguments to convince people, you know, that Jesus is the Lord and, and it seems to sometimes get nowhere. And then, 
And then later on, a person comes to faith, that same person comes to faith and mentions how it was a song on a radio that just spoke at a particular time and they, they knew that Jesus was God and they come back to tell me, I now know, you know, or, or it was a scripture that popped up or, and this thing happened and Jesus was making himself known. And I'm, I'm sitting back and I'm thinking just like Philip and Nathaniel, you know, I mean, Philip just shares his faith and invites his friend to come and see and then Jesus does all the rest. He speaks to the heart as only he can, you know? So we don't have to convince or argue with those that we share. We just have to ask them to come and see Jesus for themselves. So as we wrap up this first chapter in John, and we see these first seven, John the Baptist, Andrew and John, their brothers, Simon, Peter, and James, and then Philip and Nathaniel, what does all this mean for us today? What does it mean for us to follow the Lord where we're at and in our neighborhood, school, work, and family? And I think two things. One, I think first, each of us needs to think about how we came to the Lord. How did we first know that Jesus is real and that he's our Savior? You know, did, did God just speak directly to us like he did for John the Baptist? Or was it through a Bible teacher, pastor, or friend, or camp? Or through a family member like Andrew did with his brother Simon. Think about when and how you came to believe in Jesus. And then second, you might be a first follower in your family, you know, I mean, or friend group or work. And, and you know, what then would the Lord want from you if you are, you know, like, could you be an Andrew and Philip and pass it on to somebody else? I mean, look around you. Andrew and John both went home and told their brothers, maybe there's somebody in your family that the Lord wants you to share with. You know, Philip, he went out and found his friend, Nathaniel, and said, come and see, and brought him off to, you could say, youth group or whatever, brought him to church that he could come and meet Jesus. What would it look like for each of us to invite our friends and family to come and see the Lord and not try to persuade or force, but to speak? to share our story and to invite people to check Jesus out for themselves. Maybe we invite them to read through the Gospel of John with us, you know, and to talk about it once a week. I mean, who knows? I end with this personal story. There was a young woman who was an unbeliever, um, and she was the daughter of somebody in a church that I served in. But her life started to get real tough. And her mom, who had been praying for her and praying that she would open up her heart to the Lord and believe in him, she felt God's spirit pushing her to gently speak to the, about the Lord again to her daughter. And, and to her surprise, the daughter this time didn't shut her down right away. And the daughter, you know, or the mom, I mean, invited the daughter to even come and visit with her pastor, which was me. And, and so this young woman came to see me, and, and right away I could tell, boy, she had a lot of walls up and didn't like church or whatever and had some doubts about this whole thing. And, but God spoke to me in that moment as I'm listening to this daughter's story. And it was like God was saying to me, just listen, don't speak very much. Don't try to convince her in an hour, you know, but just invite her to read the Bible with you week after week. And so we 
decided to read through the Gospel of Luke. And she was going to read a few chapters during the week, take notes, kind of write down some thoughts and questions of what she learns about Jesus, you know, from the Gospel there. And then we would get together at a set time every week, and we'd just talk about some of the things she had questions about or what she found in her reading. Come and see, right? And during this time, something amazing did happen. It wasn't Dan, but it was Jesus who spoke right to her heart. And all the walls, I watched them start coming down. And all her pain start coming out. And Jesus was healing her, was making himself known to her. And she came to accept Christ, was baptized, and she serves him today. Sometimes we just got to be open to how God might want to use us in the life of some other person, in our own home or neighborhood or coworker or friend, to pass it on, to, to invite him to come, to invite them, whoever it might be, to come and see Jesus. Have a wonderful Sunday. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To stay up to date with all Bethlehem Covenant Church's ministries and events, head to bccwaverly.org.